0: Can we do a, <clears throat> we're going to do an early church practice that started around about, uh, I don't know, five, six hundred, 600, 700, um, And I want to ask you to, we're going to take a moment to be quiet. And contemplate a little bit, ponder a little bit. I know it's hot. It was not as hot as it was last week. But I'm going to ask you to focus for a few minutes. And I want you to contemplate the stained glass windows. Stained glass windows were originally put in place because most people couldn't read. And so they told stories in the stained glass. So people had the stories of God before them. Now, these are not necessarily stories. These are more decorative. But they do say things. And I'd love for you to take a moment and consider those. Be quiet. Look at them. Say, God, would you show me something of yourself through these stained glass windows? These have been up here since the 20s or the 30s, I think. Built by Judson, actually. And then at the end of it, I'd like you to say, this is the word that I feel like I I, I, I captured out of my moment of contemplation of these stained glass windows. Is that all right? And if you don't want to use a stained glass window, you could look at this. That, you could look at this. Is that all right? So these are not idols. We're not worshiping. We are using these as a tool to help us focus and use our imaginations and our mental capacities to think about God through imagery. Is that okay? So if you could do that for a few minutes, and then we'll come back. I'm going to ask you, what, what did God say to you? Right, lest you think that I'm reverting to Roman Catholicism, I'm not. But there's something powerful about imagery um, in the way that God does things. God often says, "Look, look at this. Look at the birds. Look at the the grass." He asked Jeremiah, "What do you see?" I see the branch of an almond tree. This we we call to look, and so these are there. So let's look at them. What what do you? what's what grabbed you as you looked around out of a window what give me some a word just shout it out and why if you can Observe observe the lilies of the field This is a good exercise, the contributions. With the Lord is not just about, um, great, Speak loudly, so the people. That, that relationship with the Lord is not about being learned in the, um, in the Scriptures. It doesn't have to be, but you just don't even know how to read. You can still know the Lord. Wonderful. The neighbors are having a go at each other. Hm. Two more. There's no wrong answer. okay one more Okay, it's good. I think it's I, I, think it's important for us to actually begin to see. Um, a lot of the time we're in cars and we walk, we're doing things and life's busy. But if we learn to see what's around us and actually see God in things, and and God can speak to us through all sorts of things. I was amazed. I looked at those windows and they just like opaque and you, they kind of allow light in, but you can't see through them. And the difference between that and that window, there's there's color, there's a story. Um, and I think that God is around us and we need to open our eyes and begin to see. So when, when Jesus says, observe the birds of the air, observe the grass, they, they're not struggling, they, they, they're enjoying life. I think that he wants us to see, rather than we become, we're so worried about ourselves. Now today I'm going to talk a little bit about ourselves, but... I think it's important that we, we learn to slow our lives down and contemplate and think and look and see beauty and see God working. I think it's an amazing thing. Um, I think we've become so linear. I think we've become so linear that God only speaks to us through the Bible. And yes, he does. It's a primary way. But he's so big. He speaks in wonderful ways. And someone put these up all those years ago. I don't know how, how many years ago these were put up for a reason. And let's, we need to appreciate them. So... We're in a little series, Living as Disciples of Jesus in the Kingdom of God, um, and we're doing a whole bunch of different talks ar- around that, that in some ways are little scatterings, little seeds that are hopefully are being sown that you know, stir in you, settle in you, and maybe cause you to think through what it means for us to be Jesus followers in this day and age, not among the Rockies or wherever that is, actually in the buildings of L.A., That's where we find ourselves. How do we live as disciples of Jesus in L.A., living in this, the kingdom of God, and that God was not surprised when buildings went up? He was, oh, my word, what happened here? He was totally not caught of God. And so we have to see what, what, reminding us of what is our vision, what is the mission of Jesus' church, is to, in the authority of Jesus, go into our world and make disciples of the people that we come into contact with, and as, we, as they choose to step into that realm, we baptize them into a Trinitarian understanding of God's grace and his life. And we dunk them in the water and we hold them down until they're kicking and spluttering. And then we bring them up and they've gospel. He said, no, that's new life. And we teach them to, what does it mean to obey Jesus and to live Jesus' life? You know, the thing about that is because I've been speaking to a few people is that actually sometimes it feels like, and I use this word in it's not like a sexy way to live. It's actually applauding. It's an everyday waking up and choosing to set your face upon Jesus and to follow him into everything that he has for you for that day. Sometimes this, it feels like it's lights and color, but sometimes it's just concrete and sand. But actually, we, that's how we call to follow Jesus. When we look at the the... The Jews being called 40 years in the wilderness. I'm sure there were times when they're at Mount Sinai, and it's beautiful, and eagles are going, and it's brooks. And then there was just a plot in the desert, one step in front of another. Actually, the life in Christ sometimes is like, we are got to work this out. It just doesn't happen. You've got to work it out. There's, there's, a, there's a sweating sweatiness and an energy to it. Um, why do we have to do this? Why, why should we live as disciples of Jesus? Why should we go and make disciples? Why? What? There's a simple reason, and that's because Jesus asked us to. I mean, the first step of obedience as a disciple is go make disciples. Go and interact with your world. Take in the love of Jesus and the grace of Jesus and the fullness of Jesus and this incredible life and pass it forward. He asked us to, and I, don't think, that, I think that's a good enough reason. And so we've been going through these little talks. Today we're going to introduce a little bit of emotional health. Because that was one of the things we want to do. And I'm, I'm going to share a little bit. And it's really a very surface picture of, of emotional health or looking after our souls. Um, that hopefully will just spark something in you to say, Hmm, I, I need to go and investigate this further. I need to actually give attention to this. Because maybe I'm missing out on the fullness of what Jesus actually has for us. In Mark chapter 12, starting in verse... 28, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, ask, asked them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, we read earlier from Deuteronomy chapter 4 that God gave the Ten Commandments as this beautiful law, this beautiful way of living for God's people. It was, it was not, you better live like this to, no, you are my people, therefore live like this. Actually, in the, uh, I was doing some reading, and in the Hebrew, the, the, the word is not commandments. It's just the ten sayings, the ten statements. I and mean, there are commands, but in the way they are described as the ten, the, these ten ways of living the God life. So now they come up, these people, and know this. They say, what's the greatest? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, is one, and you shall love the Lord your God. How? How shall we love him? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, I think it's important that when we look at the, 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 those verses, there are five aspects to the human personality or the human person that are being revealed. You should love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and through your relationships. Though that's what makes up a human being. At the very core of us is, is our heart, our will. Um, other parts of the text speak of that's where our human spirit is. Around After that is our mind. And our body, and our social interactions, and what wraps it all together is this beautiful word which we've tossed out called our soul. Love the Lord with all your soul. When someone gets stranded on a desert island and they put SOS, what does that stand for? Save our ship. ship. Is that what it stands for? No, it doesn't. Save our souls. That's what SOS is: "Save our souls." This: Save our souls." When you lay me down to sleep, and, you know, with this that, that we teach our kids about our soul, it's an incredible word that actually, I think in our, our day is replaced by self. And I think they're different words. Self and soul are different words. And we Hey, um, And I think somehow we, we have to see that we have to take care of all of these aspects of our life if we're going to be whole people serving God with everything that we have. We, we easily think about looking after the body. We eat well, we exercise, we sleep well, whatever. We think about our minds. We study, we read, we memorize, we do whatever we can. We think about our wills and our hearts, and we try and have great willpower and line ourselves up. And we think about relationships with one another. We want to work on those. But the thing that holds all of that together is what makes us a person is our soul. There's a beautiful, in Genesis, let me just read this quickly. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust. From the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And in some translations, became a living person. and the older translations, because the word is, became a living soul. So that's what they word. It's the word soul. Whenever you read soul, it's the same word that's used there became a soul. There's something that God breathes into us that makes us uniquely human, and we're meant to look after that, and we're meant to protect that. We're meant to take care of it. Um, Last week, we spoke about all of you who are tired and weary and overworked and overburdened, come to me, and I will give you rest. You come to me, you can learn from me, you can take my yoke upon you. It's an easy yoke, it's a light yoke. You're walking with me, learn from me, and wonderful things can happen. I think we have to do that with every aspect of our lives. And so when we talk about emotional health, we're talking about looking after our souls, looking after our personhood, so that we can be healthy people interacting with our neighbors and our world and our enemies, etc., etc. I know it's getting hot. We'll keep this as short as we can. We can learn from him. You know, when Jesus says, learn from me, I think we... You you got to look at the things he said. I think you got to look at the things he did, the way he lived, how he practiced his life, and he kind of just ambled along. It seemed most of the time he did was never in a rush. There's the, all these people want you. Okay, let's go somewhere else then. Let's not go there. Let's go over here. There was not this. Uh, guys came back from there from from ministering, and he said, "Let's get in a boat and go to the other side where it's desolate. We can just you know we we'll take a gentle ride on them." There's a sense of. Jesus wanting us to learn from him to learn how to slow down and become whole. In Matthew 19, is a is a beautiful story that Jesus says, though it's children, people who have childlike faith, people who act like they're the ones that are going to inherit the kingdom of God. And what do you know about a child before they can get damaged or whatever? is that there's just simplicity about them. When it's time to sleep, they sleep. When it's time to play, they play. When it's time to eat, they eat. Sometimes they're kicking and screaming and so the sleeping bit. But it's now you, you lay them down to sleep. There's a, there's, there's a life. And Jesus is saying if you want to enter into the kingdom, if you want to experience kingdom life, you have to experience it like a child. The simplicity about it that's less complicated and there's less reasoning it's just a sense of, no, I'm going to trust, I'm going to believe, and I'm going to enjoy sleep and play and eating and learning. There's something about that. And Jesus brings the child and says, this is what it's like. Unless you become like this. I'm not saying you've got to go back and become three years old. He's saying unless you can embrace what it means to live like a child, you'll never truly enter the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is a... It's In one way, I suppose it's the most complex thing. But in another way, it is so simple. It's about trusting Jesus. Just come in. The kingdom of God is at hand. Come on in. It's for those who couldn't read, that could just look at images. That's why Jesus spoke so often in images, I think. Henry Cloud. Anyone know who Henry Cloud is? He's a wonderful man. In the forward to this book. Has anyone read Soul Keeper yet? I just, I'm going to plug it. I didn't write it, so I can plug it. Most probably in the top three, for me, books I've ever read in terms of affecting my life. When I say top three, I exclude the Bible from that. This, is, this has been instrumental in reshaping me, and, or in the process of reshaping me. Can I rather put it that way? It's, it's been unbelievable. Um,. But Henry Cloud says this in the report. He said, here is the human condition. We ignore our internal life. And as a result, we do not have the outside life that we desire relationally or functionally. We get lost because we do not give attention to our interior life. And there's always this challenge. We have to consider our interior life. So when we talk about emotional health, we're not becoming just this inward-looking. We we're not interested in the outside. We you know we're going to become navel gazing, yoga, um, you know chai drinking, herb smelling type people who live on Big Sur or something. I don't know. We're not talking about it. We're talking about people who live in the real world who take a moment to consider their soul so that we can healthily interact with our world. We take care of our inside being. I'll give you a, a, something in a moment that I've been doing. And it's I, I kind of it's been helping me. I don't know what else to say. And they're tools that I think we can use. Now, the, this, all of this goes so against the grain of who Terry Fouché is or was. But I've learned a few things and I'm growing and I'm finding it exciting. But I think so we've been running the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, which um, the last one Aaron ran. It's a tool, but it's a beautiful tool to help us begin to deal with some things. I'll touch on that in a moment. You can do soul keeping. There's a a workbook that goes. It's a tool to help us deal with some of the things so that we can move forward. Uh, We are in much talk about Enneagram at the moment. You know, It's a personality thing. It's a tool to help you understand who you are. If it becomes the be-all and end-all of everything, we've missed the point. If soul-keeping becomes more important than God's Word or whatever, we've missed the point. These are tools to help us. Beginning to understand who I am and how I think and how I operate through this silly Enneagram thing, which I would have a few years ago would have just kicked it away. It's actually been really helpful because suddenly I'm seeing myself in a way I haven't seen it before, helping me understand myself and realizing the things that I have to do to actually make sure I'm doing well. And then I'm doing well, hopefully I'm doing well toward others. And that's the goal. Towards God, towards others, toward myself. I want to be healthy. You know, I am a gregarious outward person. I'm never going to become an inward yogi but I'm learning something about my interior life that helps me move forward. And spiritual practices, whatever they are. So the tool that we've used is EHS. Now, some of the people that have used it are not yet enough, but there's actually been some good transformation through emotionally healthy spirituality. It's a course. It's a tool. It's not the be-all and end-all of everything, but it's really, really helpful. And it's got these four arrows If you somehow to capture. The first one is this, is that... We have to learn to slow down to be with Jesus. At the core of emotionally healthy spirituality, I think at the core of what it means to, be a, to live as a disciple is finding a way to slow down to be with Jesus. I'll come back to that in a little moment. Dallas Willard would say you have to radically eliminate hurry from your life. He's not saying you've got to eradicate busyness. That's not what he's saying. You've got to eliminate hurry. Hurry is an internal thing. Busyness is an external thing. And when we get so busy out here that, but we don't give attention to the internal, we just become hurried on the inside because the outside and the inside just become one thing. And we but you can learn to be unhurried on your inside That just begins to transform the way you live outside, inside a busy world. If we live in the 21st century in Los Angeles, you are busy. Is anyone here not busy? If you have kids, you are busy. I said to Linda years ago, you wake up in L.A. and you haven't even taken a step and you feel busy. We never used to feel that. That's life. But within that, we are trying to find the unhurried place internally so that we can be with Jesus. And it sounds so silly, but we have to be with Jesus. That's why we are disciples to Jesus, so that we can be with Jesus. When he called the 12 to be the model group that he was going to train to set this in motion, he called the 12 so that they might be with him. It wasn't just about instruction. It was that they could... Be with him so that they could learn from him. And when you get into the easy yoke with Jesus, as we spoke about last week, and you plod along at his pace, he will teach you the unhurried life in the midst of the busyness of life. Please don't hear this as, no, you better give up your job and only work three hours a day. That's not what we're saying. Most people are working 10, 12, I don't know, 40 hours. People working long hours. What we are trying to say is, if we would take those moments to be with Jesus, we will find a way to live an unhurried life in the midst of the chaos that we find ourselves in. So a silly example I've been doing, and because I got it out of one of the books, I'm now trying to drive in the slow lane. I did a test the other day. I drove from my house to San Marino, and the next day I had to do it again. So one, day, one time I did it like ducking in and out, you know. And the next time, I just got behind, just behind a Prius, whatever, and I just drove gently. And you know, I got there three minutes slower than the previous one. Three minutes. You're not, you're not shaving off hours. It's just three minutes. And in and, and that slowness, I was able to think a little more. I was less tense. And as I've been doing it more, I find, oh, this is actually quite nice. Now I think I'm one of the irritating people on the freeway. But I don't do it in the left lane. Mike, I go to the second or the third lane. Just drive a little slower. I'm not saying you have to go to crawl, but it's just, it's, oh, this actually is quite nice. Standing in a line at the bank. Someone's in a hurry. Go ahead. Isn't it a wonderful thing to, in the midst of craziness, just to find a moment to breathe? I am using, excuse me, I use the bathroom more than one way. When it's bathroom break, it's slow down time. Oh, I can connect with Jesus. I'm actually doing those things. Little silly things in the midst of what is my life that I have to do anyway. I have to go to the bathroom. I have to drive my car. I have to go to the bank. I have to go. I'm one of those persons. I mean, Linda's my wedding. I go to Costco. I'm looking for the which line. And I change lines. A lot. Now I just go, okay, stand here. And breathe. And then because I'm, I'm asking the Lord, as one of the fruit of the spirit to be patient? Well, how is he going to test my patience? by putting me in a line where someone goes wrong at the tell and they haven't got enough money and it goes slower and slower and it's like, okay, God. It's using everyday things to learn to become unhurried. And if, if you were to, I think if you were to add it up at the end of a day, you would have lost five, ten minutes maybe. And that concludes the driving but there's something more peaceful that happens in your heart. When I look at I, I fortunately can plan my day, and when it's not full, I'm not trying to fill it. The only reason I try to fill it is that I feel I've got to be guilty and earn my money. But I'm not trying to, imp- I don't want to impress you with how busy I am. I want to become the kind of person that you want to say, I want to be like that. But I have to break guilt. I have to break this mentality that I, no I, I want I want to say no I want to pray more I want to rely on Jesus more because sometimes the only prayer that's going up for you on that day is the one that I'm praying for you maybe because your life is chaotic does that make sense but I think that God is asking all of us, and we, we understand we're all different. We all have different personalities. We have different giftedness. We have different jobs. Some work from home. Some have to drive a long way. We're all different places. So it's not trying, we're trying to cookie-cut everybody. It's not we are hearing that Jesus wants us to trust him and rest in him and live in him through who we are as human beings. So suddenly doing Enneagram, for me, it's like, okay, this is kind of who I am, I can make it better, I can be a, you know, what we were joking about the other day, there's that movie, The Hateful Eight, anyone seen that, Tarantino? I want to be the healthy eight, because I want to be healthy, So, but I, I am who I am, So, but I have to become the healthy who I am, not the unhealthy one. This is all taking care of my soul. It's taking care of my personhood. Not so that I can feel good about myself. It's so that I can live a better life in the world that I find myself. So that when I sit with you, I'm hopefully more restful. And building an Airbnb does not make me restful. I'm stressed. But, but you hopefully hear what I'm saying. We've got to slow down to be with Jesus. We have to learn to be unhurried. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You've got to wait upon the Lord. means you've got to slow down a little bit. Use time wisely. The second part of emotionally healthy soul is you've got to go backwards to go forward. We want to go forward, but we're taking so much baggage with us. Sometimes we just got to go back a little bit to identify the baggage so we can drop it and move forward in a more healthy way. That's a big summary of a, a, small, of a big thing. Thirdly, we learn skills to love well. So for me, and I'm not putting this upon anybody else, for me, just understanding a little bit of the Enneagram and I'm just scratched the surface is helping me to love better because I realize what Linda has to put up with. Because I've been an unhealthy eight. And that's a horrible person to be. So it helps me understand, oh, that's why Linda's always mad with me or upset. But I want to become a healthy eight. Why? So that I can interact better and be more wise. So we learn skills to love well. And fourthly, we need to practice sabbath rhythms. We need to learn the rhythms of God's grace so that we can find rest and we can slow down and we can stop and do good things and fun things. I do not believe that God intended for human beings to work continually. And even in one single day on Monday, I don't believe you meant to work continually. I mean you meant to work Hard for And then you're meant to come home and rest and be with family and have a nice meal and with friends and enjoy time. And at least one day there should be Sabbath. Doesn't mean you don't get with people. It's just you get with community and you pray and you eat and you share a glass of wine. But you switch off all these other things. All right. All of this is called soul care. Soul keeping. Looking after ourselves. Here's the important thing. I think to get. You are your own soul keeper. Only you can do it. I can't do it for you. I can pray for you. We can pray for one another. We can encourage. But only you can take care of your soul. Only you can make the decisions that allow you to look after yourself. Miles cannot go and get a healthy body for me. I have to go run and eat well. He can't do it for me. So much more muscle. I have to do it. I have to put practices in place. I have to learn to say no, yes, stop, go slow, whatever. I have to do those for myself. I can't even do them for Linda. The only thing I can do for Linda is become a more healthy person of who I am so that I interact with her. So when Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, let's make a decision. We move with it. That, and then, oh, I can... I can rely on that person because I know who they are. They're not double-minded, going here, going everywhere. There's a sense of anchoring in who we are. Now, if all we do is emotional health and soul care and soul keeping, and we never actually go tell people about Jesus and interact with our world and go feed the poor, we've missed the boat. All of this is so that we can be healthy, so that when we go feed the poor, it's not so that we can feel good about ourselves. It's so that we are doing it as the overflow of the life of God. Interesting, Psalm 23, which is most probably the most quoted psalm, and and even in Hebrew culture, is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me rush from place to place. Hear what it says? He makes me... Lie down. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. That's where he starts. It doesn't start with, you better go. No, he makes me lie down. We gave them the great commission. He said, this is it. But before you, wait. Wait. There's a, there's a whole world that's broken. A whole world needs to be saved. It needs to hear the kingdom message. Don't go, yet. Yeah. wait. Trust me, wait. The Bible's full of stories like that. We're going rush. Storm and Jesus is having a sleep. I mean, this is kind of, hopefully this is helping you. We have to learn to take stock. Psalm 42, I, I preached on this years and years ago. It says this. This is where you take care and you speak to your soul. As the deer pants for flowing streams, as the pan, deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul pants for you, O oh God. What pants for you? My soul, the who I am, the, 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 that part of me that keeps everything together, that keeps me integrated and whole, the soul is panting for the... For the Lord, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come? And he goes through and it says, verse five: Why are you cast down, O my will? Doesn't make sense. Eh? Why are you downcast, O your body? No. Why are you downcast, O my soul? You can go read the psalm. It's a psalm about addressing the internal, your your core being, so that you come back to God. And that takes time. You have to stop. You know, someone once said, and it applied to sickness and exercise and health, if you don't make time for health now, you will make time for sickness later. Just depends where you want to slow down here or slow down there. But you're going to slow down somewhere. If you slow down now, there's likelihood that you take care of your soul, and you connect to Jesus and you allow the Holy Spirit to wash into you and bring streams of living water to you, and you learn to bathe in the love of your heavenly Father, it's likely that you will go longer before you slow down. Because most of us are slowing down in our bodies because we haven't taken care of our souls. And we just get tired. And we keep going, and the body breaks down. But it's actually because we never had a tone said, stop, breathe. I'm trying this stuff. This is, all, this is what I'm doing now with my life. It's experimental. I'm finding some things that are working. I'm finding some things that are not working. But it's, I'm finding at just a different pace, and I'm actually quite enjoying it. Would you find a god pace in your life through who you are in your time your job your whatever um close with this a few more texts but most of us are doing things because at the end of the year you're going to get an evaluation on you and they're going to evaluate and they're not going to primarily evaluate you on your personhood They're not going to primarily evaluate on the person that you have become. They evaluate you on your productivity. They don't really care if you've become a great person, but if you have produced, you've done well for the company and you will get a bonus. But actually in the Jesus life, it's it's more about the person that we are becoming and out of that flows fruitfulness. We are called to be fruitful, but it flows out of who we are. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you connect with me, you will be fruitful. Apart from me, you can bear no fruit, the text says. You can be productive and do things, but you will not bear the fruit of life that God is wanting for us because that comes out of connection with Jesus. Only connection with Jesus. Matthew 16, 26 says, What profit a man... What? Does anyone know where the rest of the text goes? Yeah, you got it up there. You gain the whole world, but you forfeit your soul. Now, I don't think that has to do in any way with your eternal destination. I don't think that's what it's talking about. I think it's talking about the condition you find yourself in. Someone said you, uh, I can't remember the quote, so I better not give it, but we can gain everything but lose our souls, lose the reason for living, lose the connection to life. But we've got all of this piles of gold that we've, you know, using gold as a metaphor for success. It's piles here, And then you enter this gate here we call a pearly gate. And that won't even be asked about. Or if it is asked about, it'll be later. What this what is the, what, are, what sort of person are you becoming? What is the character that you are growing in? Who are you when no one's looking? Now none of this, I hope none of this is to make you feel guilty. I'm in this boat. I'm struggling with this stuff and I'm just trying to put some stuff into practice. Why? Because it's not in my wheelhouse. I'm a go- I'm an eight. And you're only supposed to measure it when you're about the age of 25 because that's – I've slowed down a little bit. But the, the – the, no, I want, I want to find this in God. Um, in Deuteronomy 4.9, that text that Brian read. Moses is reminding the people of the law how good God is, all this beautiful stuff that he gave them. In verse 9 he says, only this one thing, take care and keep your soul diligently. In the midst of this text of giving of the law and reminding them of the law, it's only take care and keep your soul diligently. I'm just reading some scriptures we've done. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16. This is Jeremiah bringing judgment on God's people in Jerusalem. I'm having a go at them because they haven't been doing the things that God asked of them. He says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. Jeremiah the prophet is bringing the word of the Lord. He wants to get them back right. He says, go stand, look backwards, go look at the ancient ways and and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. They said, nope. Please let's not be those people. Our soul is, is like a stream of water which gives strength direction and harmony to every other area of our life when that stream is as it should be we are constantly refreshed and exuberant in all we do because our soul itself is then profusely rooted in the vastness of God and his kingdom including nature and all else within us is enlivened and directed by that stream therefore we are in harmony with God reality and the rest of of human nature and nature at large. Our soul is like a stream of water which gives life to the rest of who we are. Father, would you take these scattered words this afternoon through heat and sweat, through eyes that were closing and heads that wanted to nod off, and just one thing, two things, just capture our hearts. Help us. Help us to say, yes, we want to be with Jesus. We want to slow down to be with Jesus. We want to take care of our being so that we can be the most fruitful, most faithful people that we can be. Disciples who follow well and do what you asked us to do. Would you give us creativity, creativity, Lord Jesus, by your spirit, on how to slow down in our lives, knowing where we're at, whether we're in busy jobs, whether we're small kids, whether we have to drive far, whether finances are tight, whatever our situation, would you help us, creativity by the spirit, to find a way to slow down internally, to be with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's, let's come take communion. Um, communion, one of those things of communion is an ancient way. It's a remembrance of what Jesus has done, what he asks us to do. The, the, the Lord's Supper is an amazing symbol in the economy of God's people. It's an amazing symbol to remind us of everything. Is that all right? We'll give you a chance to stand up, stretch, take your, the bread and wine, walk around the room, so, and we'll be done fairly soon. Becca will lead us in a, in a song or two of worship. And I know it's hot, I know, um, and, um, but let's just offer in that short time, let's offer up to God who we are, our body, our soul, our mind, our strength, Yes, Lord, here we are. We worship you because you are worthy. Is that all right? Please come take and... Bless your name, Lord Jesus. We think that text is, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within.